What's up, swimmers and swimmers? I'm today's host, Garrett McCaffrey. And our guest today has been on the USA Swimming National and Junior National coaching roster since 2012. Uh, he's been the head coach of many junior and national select camps. He's been on some staffs at both Junior Worlds and Junior Pan Pacific Games. He's currently in his third year as the head coach of Santa Clara Swim Club, a silver medal club. He's Kevin Zacker, and this is the Swim Swam Podcast. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate you making the time today. Thanks, Garrett. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's good to see you. I uh, I kind of want to just set a little bit of a you know base for this conversation, and it, it it all involves the George Haynes International Swim Center, um, a place that I think touches a lot of swimming hearts across the country, including my own. I uh, I read a book, probably my first swimming book, um, early in college, called Gold in the Water, that kind of talks about uh, Tom Wilkins and Kurt Grote and their um, path to the Olympics with Dick Jokums. And um, it was a pretty inspiring story that was, you know, based there in Santa Clara and at the Swim Center. Um, I also went to my first um, Santa Clara Invitational in 2003 um, as a 20-year-old. Um, and I was just fascinated with this 17 year old kid named Michael Phelps, who, you know, had really started to take over and had a world record at that point. Um, and I, I watched him at this, this meet this whole weekend, and he was either in the warm up or warm down or stretching. And I was just kind of, you know, enamored like a, a fanboy, just so excited to see this guy. And, you know, on the last day of the meet, um, you know, I was kind of paying attention and I didn't really have any expectation of this. And I'm not positive it was Sam Kendricks, but I'm pretty sure it was on the mic calling the race. And when he turned at the 150 of the 200 IM final, Sam Kendricks started in only the way that Sam Kendricks can to get everybody excited because he was on world record pace. And sure enough, um, I saw my very first world record um, and, you know, it was all right there at at the International Swim Center. And that's kind of why we're we're here on this podcast today, because uh, as of last month, uh, the Swim Center is closed indefinitely. And I guess I just kind of want to cut right to it and then we'll go back, you know, and talk about why and, and all these different pieces. But have we seen our last race at the George Haynes International Swim Center as we know it? Yeah, thanks for the question, Garrett. Um, you know, it's looking that way, honestly. Um, you know, like you, I've got fond memories growing up in the sport. Um, I went to my first international meet in probably 1994, 95 in the summer. And um, yeah, what an experience. And knowing the history and legacy of Santa Clara Swim Club and and to have been given the opportunity to lead the organization is a kind of a dream come true as a coach. And um, yeah, the Swim Center closed Um uh, late January, uh, we got notice without warning that it was closed indefinitely. And um, certainly the city is worried about the safety of folks in the facility um, with some of the structural issues. The pool was built in 67 and um, it's not been super well maintained. And so some of the structures, the pool itself is in good shape. The actual tank is good. Um, 
but the structures around the facility are are deteriorating and they're worried that if they were to fall down in an earthquake or something like that that uh, folks could get hurt and so closed it for safety reasons um we are working with the city we're hopeful to get the tanks open at least for training but uh, i don't foresee any meets being held there in the in the near future yeah yeah it's it's sad to think um that you know there won't be that same feeling in those stands and and watching the the kind of performances that I've seen, and I'm sure many people across the country have seen, take us back uh, when this kind of started to maybe be some writing on the wall in the summer when it was closed down for a boiler that went out. Um, can you kind of take us through how that whole process went and how long you guys were out and and how you ended up coming back in early August? Sure. Um, yeah, the pool, the, the, again, as I said, the pool was built in the 60s and the the pumps, the heaters, all of the pipes, everything that that is in the <laughs> filtration system, all those things were also built at the same time and and uh, are old. And so last last spring, right before the summertime, the the boiler went out, the heater uh, went out. It was a uh, it was actually a relatively simple piece that needed to be fixed. However, things that are made today don't fit what was made in in the '60s, and so they had to custom fabricate apart um and went back and forth a few times and it took the entire summer to get that piece fixed i think in you know we um certainly our members were frustrated as an organization we were frustrated we were driving in some some cases over an hour each way to to get long course access and into a pool um and so we went to council and <laughs> kind of pushed them to to speed the process up um and in that process, I think I think the city decided to do a uh, a study of the facility just to to check its viability long term. That was done in I want to say late October. Uh, we let me take a step back. So so we were out all summer. Uh, we finished the summer season. We were able to be back in the pool the start of the fall season in in, in mid to late August, um, and things were going fine. Pool was running well. And actually, the pool seemed to be in pretty good shape. Um, they did this this study, as I mentioned, uh, to test um, kind of the structural soundness of of the pools, but also the the facilities. Um, that was done in October. Um, I had a few folks out to to take a look, and really, we <laughs> nothing much happened um, after that. So I kind of felt like if there was any immediate danger any immediate need they would have just shut us down immediately right uh, and that didn't happen and so i think we were all feeling relatively good about the situation moving forward um and then they got the report back on a thursday evening late january um and made the decision to to shut the pool uh indefinitely and um you know our, our we had a few groups and some masters show up to the pool on Friday morning to the pool being cordoned off. And so we were a bit shocked and that hadn't happened before the pool shut down before, but we, we'd always kind of had a heads up or at least been able to get in and do some dry land or, or certain things like that. This was the first time the facility was completely blocked off with no access allowed. They were citing some safety violations, some structural violations that um they found in that study 21 or something like that i think is what the article read yeah and i don't know their violations or not just concerns uh there's certainly some some code things right but i, I think any facility that was 
built and has any sort of history has those because health codes kind of evolve and 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 change with the times and a pool built in 1965 is not going to have met health codes of 2020 right that's so those weren't honestly to me those aren't really the issues the issues are the structural integrity of you know the grandstands if if that canopy right that's what they're worried about they're worried about the dive tower you know if it were to collapse what would happen to folks that were in the pool um and and they're worried about some some parts of the actual building where the, where the locker rooms are and things like that now again some of the things that were mentioned in that report um that have to do with the locker room there was a an expansion to the locker rooms that was done in the early teens i think um and it wasn't done very well but those locker rooms access has been blocked so nobody actually ever goes in there right so so that part to me is not really a safety concern i understand the dive tower and the and the canopy but you know from what i understand it was just a visual inspection they haven't done really any stress tests or anything like that had any structural engineers come and actually stress test those structures to to see if they're in fact um in danger of actually falling down and that's kind of what we would like to see is can we get a second opinion can we get you know some some structural folks to come out and stress test those those structures to see really where they're at and if they are in bad shape can we take them down right and get the pools back open uh understand maybe we can't compete and race there but are there ways that we can make the training pools uh, safe for people to at least train and and as you know that's the most important piece of what we do is we're keeping our kids training in a consistent on a consistent schedule um, knowing where they're going every day um and just just being able to get through you know um that's our challenge now is just finding pool space and water and it's in the midst of the high school swim season here in California. And so it's just a lot of challenges to find places to train. Um, and if we could get the training pools back open, I, I think it would take a large, a large weight off our shoulders and then we can help the city figure out what to do long-term. For sure. I mean, as much as the, national age group records are fun and a big piece of what you do and you've done pretty much everywhere you've gone with great success it's more of the day-to-day -day stuff it's the the life that you build for your swimmers and the routine that you can't your parents count on as far as where they're going how they can structure their you know extracurricular activities with their kids and all these different places so these kind of interruptions aren't just keeping people from the racing part of things. Um, I, I want to get to kind of the club and how you all are doing, you know, and, and how you're, you're managing that morale. But I do want to kind of make sure I understand the timeline leading all the way up to this point. Late January, there was a city council meeting. Have they indicated any plans to address any of this stuff? And what came from the city council meeting um, at the end of last month? Yeah, we had... Um council meeting um you know we've been going to council quite often um mayor and council are, are very supportive of the programs they understand the history of santa clara swim club and and the value that it brings i also want to mention um the santa clara aquamaids and santa clara diving also use the facility and they are both um arguably the best programs in their respective sports right in the country and and you know i think it's a pretty unique thing to have three different aquatic sports in one site all with the history and success that 
that all three programs have had. And it, you don't find that very often. Um, and the city understands, or, or I should say mayor and council understand um, that and are really supportive and want to help. Um, at that council meeting, certainly there was a large number of folks from from all three organizations there in support uh, of the clubs and 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 letting city the city know how important that facility, the George Haynes International Swim Center, is to to all of us and what we want to do on a regular basis. The council and mayor um, put forth some rec some I'm not sure the right word for it, but basically told staff to to address three things. Number one, can we get the training pools at the swim center back open and available for training, right? And we bring in, if we have to shut the buildings down or cordon off the buildings, can we bring in some temporary restrooms and showers and do whatever we have to do to allow at least training in the pools so that we can get some consistency back for the kids. Um, they also asked staff to look into bringing in, um, you know, an above ground for lack of a better term, temporary pool like they did down at Belmont Plaza. Um, so they're looking, they're supposed to be looking into that. And lastly, um, they tasked the, the staff to help us find alternative water sources uh, in the area to help us get through the short term with Olympic trials coming up, not only for us, but for, for artistic swimming and for diving. I mean, all of those things are happening in the spring and early summer and, and all programs have athletes that are competing at that level and we need to have a place to prepare. So, so staff was tasked with those three things. Um, and they were, they are supposed to within 30 days, give us an update of where they are with those things. And that should be coming up here in the next week or so. Ooh, a lot of, <laughs> you know, wait and see, right? I mean, that I is know. something I do believe as much as, you know, this is a pretty extreme example. I think coaches across the country can kind of probably relate at one point or another to having hardships with pool time. I know pool time up here in the Northwest is, is a challenge. Um, how do you keep your club in a positive mindset, which is critical during this kind of time when you're going for Olympic trials. And as you said, you've got people, you know, competing at the top level and going end of short course season into long course season. I mean, there's, it's just such a critical time for a good mentality. Um, and how do you, how do you do it in this kind of hardships? What are you doing as a leader to make sure that, you know, the morale of the team is, is decent even, let alone good? That's a great, great question and something that, that we've been working hard on. I, I, you know, as iconic and as important as the International Swim Center is, that's not what makes a team or makes a program, right? I think I think the environment that you create, um, the consistency and the and the opportunity for for training, camaraderie, for the kids to be able to be with each other and and work hard together and um, do those things. I think that's what makes a great program. A facility doesn't make a great program. A you know a culture, uh, you know the environment that you have. I think make is what leads to success, uh, and that part doesn't change, right? The one challenge we have now is we're spread out across several different pools. Um, I know that that's not a unique thing in, in in swimming and certainly across the country, there are teams that are swimming and training in many different facilities and trying to make it work, um, but it's unique to us. It's it's a different thing for us to be doing right now. And 
Um, but again, you know, I've asked our, our coaches and staff and it starts starts with me, but let's make sure our environment is still positive and encouraging and, and that we're creating, continue to create the culture that people like to be a part of. Um, I will say in the last six weeks since we've, you know, maybe it hasn't even been six weeks, but it feels like it. <laughs> Over six weeks, we've been out of the facility and we've been competing. Our kids are 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 lighting it up and swimming fast. And, and you know, so... Um, that helps, right? When parents and, and swimmers see that they can still have success um, while facing adversity and challenges, uh, that certainly helps. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make sure our, our culture doesn't change, our expectations of what we're trying to do don't change, um, and that we create that environment that people want to be a part of. Um, and we try to bring the different groups together as, as often as we can. Um, Certainly that's been the biggest challenge right now is, is just seeing everybody every day. Um, but, you know, we're not able to do that, um, but we're finding opportunities to do it. Um, again, I know we're not unique in having to do that right around the country. Right? Even, you know, up in your club, you're training at different sites and different pools. And, and <clears throat> yeah, that's why, I mean, this could be helpful for me. I mean, how are you getting them together? Cause that is what I've found in just over a year with a, a a club that has multiple sites is the key is that sense of community that comes from being together, whether that's coaches being together, uh, teammates being together, parents even being together. What kind of opportunities have you found, whether that's virtual on Zoom or maybe in person with events and, and things outside of the pool or at the pool even? What kind of things right. are you doing to bring them together? Well, certainly as a staff, we're still meeting uh, weekly, right? We get together and talk about what we're doing. Um, and, you know, we don't, we're using five or six different pools, but we don't have any one particular group always traveling far away and just being isolated in one spot, right? We've got different groups rotating around the various pools that we use and, and we kind of have a home base. Um, you know, we're using one of the school district pools, Peterson Middle School, and that's kind of a kind of a home base, if you will, for us and all of the groups kind of rotate through there throughout the week. Um, and I think that helps. It's relatively close to the to the International Swim Center, so that it feels close to home, um, and it's welcoming. And it, you know, we've kind of got our stamp our stamp there a little bit, if you will. Um, so anyway, so it's bringing the different groups together. Um, we're doing pretty regular meetings with parents via Zoom just to update them on where things are and how things are going, asking for help if they can help. Um, we've had. Uh, good presence at council meetings pretty regularly out throughout this process, which is good. And then, you know, we're doing a parent uh, social event at the end of March to just kind of get everyone together and build that community. And as you touched that, that's really important is having a community and, and people being able to feel like they belong to something, if you will. And so we're trying to, to put events together. Swim meets help. Uh, we have a lot of big, you know, it's March, it's getting close to March sectionals, our Westerns, uh, we have an age group championship meet, you know, all of those things are going to help bring everyone together uh, in the same place for competition. And, you know, it's a good time for those things to be happening. Yeah, I mean, there doesn't always have to be a, a why or a moral to a tough situation like this. But 
Maybe there is, right? Maybe there is a little bit of positive that can come out of a struggle like this. And, you know, that's what we have to preach a lot of times as coaches, but, you know, galvanizing the team in these ways. And, you know, everybody understands it's a tough situation, but, you know, everybody's doing their best. And then also, I mean, it seems like this has been an issue with the swim center for a while, and it's easy to wait for the city to do what they need to do as far as uptake and, and, you know, that kind of thing, but that's out of your control. But now it looks like you have taken a little bit of, of action as far as trying to move forward with maybe a long-term plan. You've formed a um, association. It's, it's a nonprofit association with the diving and the artistic swimming Santa Clara teams. Uh, Santa Clara aquatics.org, I believe is the site that um, you're going to try to raise some money for a possible, you know, long-term project that could uh, build a new facility or at least all the updates on the current facility that would, you know, last for longer than a couple months, which seemed to be how it's been limping along for the last year or so. Can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, what the steps forward look like and the things that you can control that you're trying to take forward? Yeah. Uh, thanks for bringing up the Santa Clara Aquatics Foundation. For anyone that would would like to find out more about what we're doing, um, the SantaClaraAquatics.org is, is a website um, that can help give more information. But certainly what we're doing right now, and, and you mentioned it, uh, through tough times, sometimes uh, there can be good that comes out of it. And I actually think that's what might happen. Um, city over the years have had has had many plans to update, upgrade, build a new facility um, in Central Park. Um, and many of you may have been familiar with, with the plan not that long ago that included bringing the Hall of Fame to, to Santa Clara. That was a pretty big project, and I think it just got a little bit too extravagant. But uh, the city has been working over probably over 20 years to, to find a way to upgrade the pool and the facility. At the end of the day, it keeps limping along. Right. And so if they don't do anything, it's OK, because it keeps limping along. Well, it's no it's no longer limping along. And I do think this is going to force force something to happen, which will be, if you will, the silver lining that comes out of it is something's going to happen now and something has to happen now. Um, we'd like the city to 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 build a new swim center or rebuild the current swim center. We would love for that to happen. Um, but in a best case scenario that's going to take five or six years, right? That's just the way city and government work. Things take time. Um, and we need, we need a quicker solution, at least for, for training and keeping consistency, consistency in our program. So we created the Santa Clara Aquatics Foundation in conjunction with, with the Aquamades and Santa Clara Diving um, to look at what we can do to help just provide aquatic opportunities in the area whether it's in conjunction with the city, if we can fundraise and help speed along their process and get something done, or if we need to look at alternate alternative options and build something, you know, outside of the city with a different partner, um, you know, all, all options are on the table. And what the foundation is really centered around is, is providing aquatic opportunities for the community. Um, certainly for our swim programs, of course, but we also want to serve the greater community and make sure that, um, people have access to pools and uh, for an area that is so well known for excellence in aquatics, the state of the pools <laughs> in our area is not great, right? They're all aging. They're all breaking down. They're all in some state of disrepair. And um, this area needs, 
some new pools, some new water um, to help us continue. Along those lines of possible silver lining, sometimes when you get shaken out of your routine and taken out of your comfort zone as far as facilities and stuff, you discover maybe some new things at your new facilities. I would be, you know, I think I would be wasting your time and all the coaches who are listening's time if I didn't pick your brain a little bit about some swimming stuff. Have you found any like new strategies and practice that have kind of come from, you know, the change that maybe you're getting excited about any sets that have come at a new facility or different things that you've been trying to um, replicate what you had at the old facility. I guess I'm just asking how training's going and if there have been any changes in what you're doing or anything that you've learned from, you know, some unexpected uh, changes. Yeah, that's a good question. I haven't thought about it in those terms, but, um, you know, certainly it, it's, it's made us, made us really make sure we're getting we're getting the training the quality training that we need in order to be successful when you know when you have when you have a lot of pool time and you have a lot of access it's easy to kind of get in and um, take your time and you know if you have a, a workout that maybe normally only takes an hour and a half and you can make it last two hours well you do and and you just kind of get some some waste i'm going to call it waste of time it's not really waste of time you're doing things but um it's just made us be a bit more efficient um it's made us be smart in how we're scheduling um to make sure that every group and every every athlete in the program has enough access to water and space and coaching and all of those things in terms of actual training um we had had a plan at the isc to to really ramp up our long course training this spring, right. And in, in anticipation of Olympic trials and helping kids qualify to get there. And, and then also the kids that are going to be competing there. And we'd had a pretty good plan in place to have, you know, about half the week scheduled and uh, to train long course. And um, certainly that's changed. We've been fortunate to find a pool where we can still get some long course training in, which is fantastic and great. Um, but it, you know, not as much as we had initially planned. Um, so we've had to, you know, it's made me think back to my my own career swimming. And when I was growing up in a in, in Southern Oregon, we didn't have access to long course water. And what were the kinds of things we would do to make up for that? And you know, so so we're doing, you know, instead of hundreds from time to time, we'll do 125s. Instead of 200s, we'll do 225s, right? It's just a little more distance and trying to create that same effort. Um, I will say one of the things that that I've wanted to help our kids with is, is being better underwater. Um, you know, I've, I've over the years had some athletes that were fantastic underwater and, and really, really good dolphin kickers. And, and that's an area lately that I've wanted to, to get better at. And, and actually one of the pools we use is a, just a six lane, 25 yard pool. And I've actually really enjoyed swimming, basically going widths instead of 25 yards, you know, it's about 12 and a half, 13 yards wide and bringing the kids over and just doing some fast, short underwater stuff just in short duration. And I, I feel like that's really helped, um, you know, so, so there are some things that we're able to do that at the ISC we couldn't because that pool's, you know, it's 50 by 25. So if you go widths, you're going fifties instead of 25s. <laughs> instead of 
you know, short duration. So there's things like that. Uh, I like to be creative and do different things. We've, we've incorporated some, you know, more, more time for, for turns and, and putting an emphasis on that. Um, you know, and that you can do anywhere. Um, but certainly the biggest thing is it's made us be more efficient. Uh, there are some key things as a program. I, I think our program is, is really good or an IM based, I would say we're an IM based team, um, from our age group all the way up, our kids are really pretty good in all four strokes. And, um, I, I think it's awesome. And that's something that we've really kind of keyed around as being a great IM team. And, um, you know, so we're trying to, to have a, a bit of a theme around that, um, and make sure our kids are all training in all four strokes. And again, um, certainly for fly and breaststroke training short course sometimes is, is better than, than training long course, especially for the younger kids. Um, you know, so I don't know that I've directly answered the question. We're not doing anything earth shatteringly new or, or anything, but it certainly made me think about what I did as a, as, as a swimmer, not having access to long course to be successful in long course and, um, you know, little things like that. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it led to another question like with, and you could be answering this in 13 different ways, depending on the group, but you have to really focus on what's important, right? When you have this new change in time, you really have to prioritize. And I mean, I heard you say, you know, multiple strokes, underwaters, what else are the priorities right now? Like you said, leading into March that you need to get in and, you know, you're right. You just don't have that I don't want to call it a fluff time either because so much of the connection is made so much of the, you know, mental side of things can be helped during that extra time. But when it comes to, you know, this is the window we have to get the training in, you got to get the work in. What is the priority as far as the work right now for you guys? Well, certainly um, coming into, to, you know, we'll call it championship season, if you will. Um, you know, the work is done, right? Most of the work is done. We've, we've got, we've put in a good base of training. Our kids are, are fit. We're, we're in shape. Um, you know, so right now we're trying to find, fine tune the details. And, uh, again, short course, short course swimming is great for that. Um, and honestly, sometimes having a group at one pool and, and Maybe it's a, it's fewer lanes than what you're used to having, but having a group at one pool, there's there's you're able to really focus and work on some of those things, and you don't have distractions of what's going on over there, what's what's happening here, what's you know. So while that environment is amazing when you're building the whole team, when you're trying to focus and and really get some stuff done, those things can be distracting. So so I think that's been good, um, but we're just fine tuning details at this point, just trying to be really good at it. It skills. Um, and again, those can be worked on anywhere and, and um, they do take some time, you know, it, you hit, what you hit on is, is that extra time allows for, yeah, connection, talking to the kids. Um, but we're building that time in outside of the pool, right? A couple of days a week. Um, we just have time to, to, to sit and talk as a group. Um, we call it team building. Um, we schedule that into our training week and we use that time to, to work on some of those mental things and talk about why we're training the way we're training as opposed to taking the time before a set or during practice to talk about why let's save that for when we're 
we're having our group discussion and let's just get to it. Um, you know, so just being more efficient and smart about how we schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Last question. And it's kind of along all these lines, but, um, you know, aimed at our target audience, which is probably coaches like you and I, when you hit hard times and we're all hitting them at different times and in different ways, but it's really easy because this job can often become bigger than just career and job. It's, you know, consuming in a lot of different ways. How do you keep from letting the job consume you? And in particular, the negativity, because you just go down that dark road of woe is me. This is, oh no, what, how are we going to get out of this? This is the end of it. This is, you know, all of those dark, dark paths that we can go down as coaches, sure. because, you know, not only are you thinking about yourself, you're thinking about all of your members and all of that other stuff. How do you keep yourself grounded in a, in a time when you can probably be buried um, if you let the emotions get to you, if you had any advice for coaches in these tough times, what would it be? Yeah, that's, that's a great, great question. And it's bigger than this, just this, this situation. Certainly it's been more stressful uh, last few weeks, but uh, I think you got to stay positive. You got to remain positive. You got to remember, you know, sometimes adversity is, is good. Uh, it forces it forces you to to adapt and and do things and survive, if you will. Um, but for me, I think balance is important. You still got to get away. Um, you've got to you've got to turn it off at some point, right? When I get home in the evening, I, I really try to just turn it off and let it wait um, until the next day because um, I need some some time for me and my family and. I carry that stress with me all the time. As you said, it's, it, it's a dark hole. You can, you can fall down, fall into, and uh, we don't want to get there. So I do think, you know, certainly it's been more stressful. Um, I've been spending more time on issues that uh, I'd rather not have to, to spend time on, but, but that's what the job entails at the moment. Um, you know, but, but that's where we're at. Um, and so some things maybe that, that I was, able to spend time on you know i can't even I, I tell you lately i've been spending all my time on scheduling right um just a lot of time on scheduling and so maybe i'm not meeting with with staff as often as i want to or overseeing other parts of our program we have a learn to swim program and, and other things and, and so i'm spending a little less time on that but we have good leadership in those areas that can that can take care of it and, and i know it's going to be okay um, so that I can put my energies where where we need to to secure our future and long you know for the long term. But really, it's maintaining that balance. When I get home in the evening, it's like okay, I'm 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 done with swimming for today, and uh, I can spend the time with my wife, and we can just relax. Um, and that's really really important. You, know, you got to have balance in life. Um, this is and can be an all consuming profession. Um, we, we've seen many, many examples of it over the years. And certainly as a younger coach, I was probably that way. Um, but you have to trust that you have folks around you that can help. You have to have a good staff and you have to trust your staff to, to help you where you need it and to trust that they're going to do the job. Um, I think a big mistake that we make as leaders and, and head coaches is if we want it done the right way, we've got to do it ourselves. And, um, You've got to trust others. Uh, number one, they need to grow as people and and as coaches. And if they ever have aspirations of 
moving up the chain to be a, you know, head age group coach or head coach someday, they've got to, to learn how to do some of these things. And so we have to give them the opportunity to do that. And you have to trust and, and back them up, right? If they don't do something quite right, it's okay. It happens, right? But uh, you you support them and you, you know, when they, they need help, you give them the help and guidance. But being able to trust and being able to know that your staff is is going to be able to handle what you ask them to handle, then you then need to just take that off your plate and let it go. Um, and that will give you more time. And that time should be used away. In my opinion, should be used away from the sport just to to keep your balance. And um, this is a, an important thing that we do. And um, but if we are not in a good place ourselves personally, we are not going to be good for our athletes. Um, and ultimately, that's what it's about: is helping our kids be the best swimmers they can be, but also being the best people they can be. And if we can't be ourselves the right example for that, then we're not, we're not helping them. So you, you got to keep balance and things are going to be okay. And you have people around you support and things that can help you. And you just got to allow them to do that. They're lucky to have you, Kevin. <laughs> lucky to have you. I, you. I've been lucky to have you in my life since I was a high school swimmer who connected with you as really the first club coach I connected with. I've been lucky enough to have you as uh, a mentor and a peer um, in coaching. And, you know, I'm lucky enough, hopefully to call you a friend at this point. And Absolutely. I can say with full confidence that they're lucky to have you. And that if, you know, when it comes to being that example of a good person, they've got a great one in you and hang in there. It's not easy, but you know, you're doing what you can. And if, you know, again, I just want to reiterate coaches, if there's any desire to help, it is Santa Clara aquatics.org for the Santa Clara Aquatics Foundation, right, Kevin? Absolutely, yes. If, you know, spread the word. Um, there, I, I have been amazed at the connection to Santa Clara, excuse me, I've been a, amazed at the connection to Santa Clara Swim Club around the country, but even around the world. Um, everywhere I go, there are folks that that see me, see the logo in, in our Santa Clara Swim Club. Um, I was in Thailand during the holidays and I, we went to a pool and there was a gentleman swimming. He got out of the pool and goes, Santa Clara Swim Club, that's a great swim center, right? It was, uh, it's amazing the draw and the reach that this club has uh, around the swimming world. Um, and so anybody that has a connection, has a desire to help and wants to see that continue, um, please spread the word and, and, and share, share our website. That would be awesome. Sounds good. We'll make sure to get the word out. Kevin, thank you very much for your time. Good luck in championship season and and with this huge endeavor that you're kind of at the beginning of. So thank you again. Thanks, Garrett. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcasts on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.